2: Hello, welcome back to New Books in Latin American Studies, a channel of the New Books Networks. My name is Patricio Simonetto, and today we are talking with Professor Pablo Palomino. Pablo Palomino is an assistant professor in Latin American Caribbean Studies at Emory University. Today, we will be talking about uh, his last book, The Invention of Latin American Music, a Transnational History, published by Oxford University Press. Hello, Pablo. Pablo. Hi,
1: Patricio. Good morning. Thank you so much for inviting me to this show. Thank, thank you
2: for part, for taking part of it in it. Uh, my first question is about if you could introduce the, the audience about your trajectory, your academic trajectory, and how did you get to the, to the idea of this book about uh, Latin American music?
1: Sure, with with, with pleasure. Um, this book is the,
2: um, uh,
1: the the result of a rewriting of my dissertation which I wrote in I finished in 2014 in in Berkeley uh, in Latin American history um, and uh, which in turn was an idea I had in Buenos Aires which is where I'm from uh, in the let's say at the beginning of the 21st century I was in Buenos Aires thinking about how to write um, a good social cultural history of, of, of music. At, the, at that time i was thinking about argentine tango and brazilian samba the two genres that i i knew the most and better um, but then at uh, as i did my my doctoral studies i realized that these were bits of a larger history that ended up what i what i call in the title of the book the invention of latin american music so you know fr- from 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 an interrogation about music per se music itself i ended up writing and researching about the the conceptualization of the category itself of latin american music so in a way it's a is a uh, yeah it, it has a history behind it now I, I i may maybe perhaps i would write it differently but
2: uh, <laughs> but it's done it's here so well it it, <laughs> it it happens. It, it always happens. You, have, you want to rewrite a book. Like you could you could write like infinite books <laughs> about uh, one absolutely. topic. About the same topic, yes. So uh something very interesting in the in the title of the book is this idea that you use about the invention uh, and I was talking to you before the podcast about why did you choose the idea of invention of Latin American music and not for example the making of Latin American music that will be a phrase that usually historians go through or use.
1: Well, that is a great question, and I thank you for 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 posing it uh, because, as you suggest, making has the idea of making has a more organic sense, formation of something, whereas invention has the is more in the semantic realm of uh, of of. of um, Tricks or, or concoctions, something more, um, maybe more creative. When I think of the making of something, as a historian, I think of uh, E. P. Thompson's uh, "The Making of the of the Working Class." No, the, the, the formation or making of a social class in and to itself. In the case of Latin American music, I want to I want to under, underline the invention in the sense that this is the history, not of an actual thing but of a rhetoric and a set of perspectives and policies and arguments about a thing. The readers of the book will, will, will notice that uh, I argue over and over about the differences, the contrasts, the uniquenesses, the, the, the uniqueness of each of the histories uh, that lie behind each of the, what we call Latin American genres or musical or poetic traditions. So there, so there isn't a thing, a school, a tradition called Latin American music that uh, we, can, we could identify as such. In fact, the idea of Latin American music was born and is still uh, in contention with other ideas about music in the region. Uh, you know, na- of course, national musics, no? We talk about Brazilian music or... Mm-hmm. Or, or, and also, like, ethnically inflected musical traditions, like Afro-Cuban music. My point is, Latin American music, it, it, we shouldn't take it for granted. We should discuss the, the way in which we dispose our ears and our our minds to listen certain music as Latin American.
2: That's that's super interesting. Um, taking into account that the last thing you say, how do you think that this book could contribute to, to rethink the notion of Latin American itself through music?
1: Well, in, 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 the, in the same direction, I will say, okay, three things. The first is that uh, I wanted to write about the region, the making of the region or the invention of the region as as practices, as the history of certain practices, not as a history with capital H, not as a history of, although there are like important actors and institutions and events, but you could see this as a social-cultural history of microscopic, sometimes microscopic um, practices that yet create, invent this notion of a, of a regional musical tradition. The second point is that I wanted to discuss the region not as the mere addition of individual countries, but as a regionalist project. So how from sometimes minuscule or national or, or sub-regional musical practices, and I can discuss later what, what do I mean by musical practices, uh, we get to create the, the, the notion of a, of a larger whole that even transcends the nations. Um, and finally, I wanted to write a transnational history. So to integrate the nation, as the term transnational contains the nation in it, within a history of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of, of a region that it, typically we take for granted. We assume that Latin America exists. And if we work on Chilean history, we assume, we take for granted that Peruvian or Brazilian or Nicaraguan history is somehow related to the Chilean history we, we, are, we are writing. Um, but this is just an assumption. Uh, we don't reflect on how and why and since when these different national or regional um, paths connect to each other. So in that sense, I wanted to write about music, but through music, to write about how we conceptualize the region as a whole. Um, And the main, so that's why the book is a book about actors and institutions and narratives that somehow invented this idea that we share an, an identity, a regional identity through music. Uh, the, the, the main the counter-argument I wanted to unsettle here, no, the my, my the point I want to attack is the essential and sometimes romantic othering of Latin America. The ethnocentric assumption that it is a, an identity or a reality that is obvious, that 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 has been there since the beginning of time as a natural occurrence. What I show in the book through music, and I think that other people can have or can show in other realms, is that the region is a is a project. It's a, it's a programmatic, utopian if you want, or more concrete, pragmatic, political uh, project of... Um, creating systems, creating narratives, creating uh, mechanisms for this multiplicity of histories and peoples and identities to uh, assert some kind of uh, presence, force in culture, in politics, in economics, what we call Latin America.
2: That's super interesting. Um, And there in the book, uh, you argue that um, during the 30s, there was a, a huge change in this concept. Um, I I would love if you could explain us why. Why do you think that in the 30s uh, the idea of Latin American music changed? Um, How do you think this concept evolved and changed during the 20th century if there was one concept?
1: Yes, I think that the 30s are the the, the key, although the book starts in the, uh, well, in the introduction, there's a reference to the 19th century and in the first chapter to the turn of the 20th century and the first decades. As you say, the 1930s are the, the key context. Uh, in the 1930s, uh, there's a convergence of factors. The first is the uh, the idea of a crisis of civilization, a crisis in the, in the European model for constructing a modern society. Even our often criticized um, Europeanist elites of the 1930s, they develop new ideas about how to build a state, how to build a nation um, in dialogue but also in contrast with, with these European models that after World War I and especially with the global economic crisis um, destabilized the, uh, the older na- notions of of progress and, and modernity. So it, 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 my point is that is in, in among intellectuals, musicians, composers, uh, cultural brokers, 1930s are a time of Inventions, new ideas, a, a lot of uh, conceptual um, creativity. And a, a, second, a second phenomenon is the dissemination of intellect, new intellectual, intellectual networks. Thanks to some you know, technological innovations, but also through political and social um, changes that allowed a number of big I and small I intellectuals from big capitals, from, 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 from provinces uh, throughout the region to read each other, to travel to through exile uh, within Latin America and, and Europe and the United States um, to read each other and think about the region um, in, in new terms. Even, even intellectuals that were uh, ideologically nationalist or that were um, um like formed and oriented to national intellectual or political educational systems. Uh, so uh, so I mentioned that the 1930s were a, a decade of, of, of creativity and crisis of older European notions of, of culture and civilization. Then there is a flourishing of intellectual networks of all kinds. and more importantly, we have national states, in 1930s, sponsoring new cultural policies oriented towards the masses. Yes, this is the new vocabulary of, of, of the time. So these intellectual networks in a context of political creativity suddenly had official resources at their disposal to produce cultural projects. And here we have like the emergence, what I show in the book, the emergence of uh, Latin Americanist musicology, as part of a of a collection of national paths towards developing uh, musical knowledge, nu- musical um, you know pedagogies, and musical patrimony, and ethnographic research, um, collective singing, all f- yeah different musical practices around uh, uh, this idea of. Um, uplifting the masses and this is something that is shared throughout the region by by all by all the the intellectual um, establishments across latin america um, so this is this is why the 1930s and 194 and up, and up until world war 2 this is like the 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 most important period i think for the invention of latin american music then in the 1950s what i show in the in the final part of the book from the 1950s until today we have a series of um, processes that reinforce this idea of Latin American music as uh, representing the identity of a world region. In the 1950s, we have all these programs of of regional development, uh, like CEPAL or ECLA um, among economists and then social scientists in the 50s and 60s. Uh, these uh, regional slash global agencies further develop the idea that Latin America is a region different from North America, from Africa, from Europe, from Asia. In the 1960s, 70s, and also 80s, we have a new generation of um, political and cultural activists um, who uh, connect through the idea of, of, of revolution of socialist revolution especially after the Cuban Revolution with this uh, older tradition of uh, of musicologists from the 1930s and 1940s who had already been writing and researching about the culture of the people um, then in the 1990s with the the end of this developmental and revolutionary project of the 50s 60s 70s 80s uh, we have a uh, the the emergence of this notion in the United States, the Latino Latino culture, Latino identity, Latino music, that became influential in in the past thirty years, not only in the United States but globally, through through the musical and cultural industry. Uh, but this this notion of Latino music uh, contains Elements of this, all these previous eras. So we find this notion of Latino music in you know the area studies programs in which we work in England or in the United States. There are seeds of this previous history of 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 social of um, uh, research planning around a a region considered as a as a unity. Um, then we have seeds of these debates of the 1930s, these inventions of, of the 1930s in, let's say, the work of Manu Chao, yes, or the the Putumayo label record record label in, in, the 19, in the 2000s. And if the listeners have uh, paid attention to the Netflix documentary that recently was released by, uh, produced by Gustavo Santaolalla, Gustavo Santa Olaja, this Argentine rock musician <laughs> that now became a big Latino music producer. You know, this rhetoric of a, of a region that is organically represented through music, even if, uh, well, in the case of rock music, like Santa Olaja shows, shows, there is, there is a common tradition because it's, it's the same genre in multiple countries with, you know, Mexican musicians, rock musicians paying attention to the Argentines, the Chileans, and vice versa. But uh, this is just an example of how, either in commercial or in academic or in romantic terms, or a a combination of all those, um, this invention was very successful. It's still informing uh, the way we we consider the region.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system.
2: That's super super interesting because it connects uh, your book with with uh, the press and no. But but going back to these uh, musical policies that you were talking about uh, and the role they played in the, in the process of nation building in, La- in Latin America or of the shaping of the nation building in Latin America. How do you think these musical policies or, or which role they play uh, or what they could tell us about the race politics in, in Latin America?
1: Oh, that's a great that's a great question, and it's a it's a problematic question f- for me in particular because um, uh, because of the history of the word race and the uses we we have of it in in academia, and the fact that I I I have never been a, a historian of race, but I was always a, a historian of. Well, music, culture, politics, but race was never my my main angle. In fact, race is something I rediscovered in studying in the in the United States. No? Uh, and, and there's recently my 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 professor uh, Mauricio Tenorio in Chicago recently in the in Historia Mexicana. There's a dossier with multiple articles on the 70th, I think, anniversary of the of the of the journal. He wrote about how we Latin Americanist scholars we sometimes translate Anglo words, Anglo concepts, uh, without without much uh, care, as if the translation had like a pristine. Um, meaning, so he referred to words like race, agency, that are, are words that in the Anglo Anglophone in Anglophone academia have like a very um, dense history of, of 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 cultural and political traditions being sort of contained in in, in the in, in the word itself. When we say raza in Latin America or race in Latin America, eh, sometimes we need to do a a translation. And I think that we, maybe we can edit this this rambling. My point is, I would say race was and is uh, less important than the people in this history. These cultural policies, these intellectuals, musicologists, uh, of course they had racialized ideas of who their audiences were, uh, of the origins and meanings of, of, of music, but that was not the main the main point uh, of, of, of their work. Um, race politics were part of, uh, of wider political and socioeconomic programs that address entire national populations. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in the case of, uh, of, of of tango, you'll see in in chapter three there's there's a, 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 a section on the on how the musicological uh, and the union leadership mm-hmm. uh, ambience of Buenos Aires of the tangueros in Buenos Aires in the 1930s how they debated about how national, how Argentine was tango. And the main debate there was among on the one hand the Hispanists, los Hispanistas or criollistas, the ones who argued about the native slash Hispanic origins of the Argentine folk, the Argentine people, versus these uh, tangueros, these tango musicians and organizers that were in many cases the children of uh, of immigration of italian immigration sometimes spanish immigration sometimes jewish immigration but the terms of the of the debate were around even it it it, it even if the debate had like a ras- uh, racializing tone at times the point was between us and them uh, and them mm-hmm. uh, you know native born versus foreigner honestly race is not a an a useful category in that debate
2: um, well that, that, i think that's that's a huge contribution somehow if if uh if problematize the the uses of this concept even if the book the book don't explicitly problematize but uh, but uh, it it does a, con- a lateral contribution to rethink mm-hmm. these processes in their own terms. Now, like in this in this sense, uh, it's another way of contributing to this uh, kind of of, of of debates.
1: You're right. In fact, if 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 we if you pay attention to the cover of the book, uh, we have Ney Grosso the great Ney Matogrosso. Uh, he's representing Latin America or South America. In the Rock in Rio festival in 1985, he dressed up as a as an as an Indian, as an archetypical romantic Indian. No, so you can see race is always part of the conversation, like ethnic and racial identities. Of course, I mean think of, Afri- of Cuban musicologists or Brazilian musicologists. The Africanness of Cuba and Brazil is always central to the conversation, but the points and the terms were not were less about race than about political inclusion of um, multiracial, multi-ethnic um, populations of, of artists or audiences that were intended to become Cubans or Brazilians or Argentines. Of course, of course it is completely valid and necessary and legitimate to write other histories that show how these nationalist attempts at inclusion contained like racist central racist elements in them so forms of neglecting on denying or erasing or invisibilizing uh, entire sets of the population entire histories and languages uh, but that's a different that is a different history and in fact I would say that if anything what, what the invention of Latin American music shows is how in this political pedagogical cultural programs a variety of subaltern, neglected identities were integrated, showcased, um, even embraced, as as in the title, as in the sorry, in the cover of the of the book. So, I'm not I'm not arguing that race is not useful or it's not important or, as some people say, uh, it's not an issue in Latin America. To the contrary, to the contrary, it's, it's absolutely central, but central in a way that is that is not necessarily the way we would assume. Through a, a an Anglo academic uh, pers- perspective on the on the term itself, rasa. I know that yeah. with the, this might be polemic and and people. No, no, I it, think it's fantastic,
2: it. and I think like okay, everything what you're saying is very interesting, and contributes a lot to avoid projecting historiographical discussions from other latitudes to our context without thinking about. Other, other ways of of in which this this process of racialization can be working and can be creating other kind of conflicts and and that's that's interesting. It's not polemic. It's polemic in a good way. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think so. Um, also, I'll go, go like go into the next question. That um, I think fantastic about your book is how by t- taking one topic, you can. Open discussions in, in multiple access of Latin American history, uh, and something that, that is very interesting and sometimes is not uh, very well analyzed is the relationship between Latin America and the United States. And in your book, you you talk you, you wrote you wrote about about it about uh, this relationship. And I, I wanted to ask you what this book can tell us about this conflictive relationship between the United States and Latin American countries through music.
1: Well, wow, thank you. That's a, that's a great question. and uh, You're making me see that, yeah, the United States is present throughout the book. Like in, in every chapter, the United States is playing some kind of role. And the fact that we are, that we are uh, having this conversation in English, <laughs> it's a, it has to do with, uh, it already tells us how the conversation about Latin America is mediated by the United States and by, by, by the, the English Language perspective on, on the region. Uh, at the beginning, I would say, at the beginning, in the 19th century, early 20th century, uh, in the United States, Latin America was this weird, not very known other. Uh, yes? Uh, in fact, you see that in the in the in the in the books that were published at the time. Uh, South America is more frequent than Latin America as a term. And South means from Mexico downward. Yes? So like south of the of the Rio Grande. Uh, no, the, the the America that is not re- the America, the US America. Um, then uh, by the 1930s, the problem of Latin America from the US perspective was that. Um, Latin America was too European in in, in the musical scene Latin America was too close to the German and Italian musical traditions and musical actors and institutions Uh, this is why uh, the Pan American Union that had been created decades before began to develop a music section in order to uh, Consolidate, you know, the the good neighbor policy, but also there was an actual attempt by New Deal musicologists, like left wing Rooseveltian cultural brokers in, in 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 the United States, to create a really a Pan American musical brotherhood or a musical system, and there's an entire chapter on on this on how Charles Seeger uh, developed a series of programs of, uh, about mus- exchanging musical scores and tours and music education and conferences and publications uh, around this idea of music of the Americas. In this sense, Latin America was just one part of a larger whole, which is the Americas. But then, once the United States won World War II, they emerged as the victors and they, forgo- virtually, forgot about these programs and they, in fact, used them to develop their global agendas. Many of many of which became part of UN projects like UNESCO. This is a history, you yeah. know, it's part of the history of the US deploying its uh, global reach after World War II, but. Latin America had uh, 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 in Latin America were planted some of the seeds of that global ambition. Excuse me, that this noise here. Then, um, but then, since then, since the 1950s on, as we know very well as historians of Latin America, the United States developed a, a. well, it had already done it before, but it became a more clear, uh, like an imperial relationship. We can define empire in multiple ways, but this is clearly an imperial relationship in terms of um, in terms of the, the very forms of knowledge that the United States developed about Latin America, um, markets, and of course military and intelligence um, policies. Um, but you're asking me about music. And I would say that uh, what's more important about music in this history of, is the fact that um, Latin American immigrants became, uh, in the past uh, 50 years, the largest um, uh, immigrant um, population in the United States, No, the largest minority, it's like a- close to 20% of the U.S. population nowadays recognizes its origins somehow in what we call Latin America, and music was essential to this, to essential to identifying, othering, romanticizing, including, marketing this population. Um, so you can you see how we have like a, a century of U.S. Latin America relations that can be approached from the angle of of, of musical practices.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, continue.
1: No, no. Fr- fr- from yes, fr- from fr- from fr- from the Pan American Union to, to Gustavo Santolaya uh, uh, recording albums in Los Angeles or Miami, and um, and I was re- I was watching the other day this other, it's not Netflix, it's HBO, I think. This movie, in the Heights, it's a musical about. Dominican and, and Latino in general, immigrants in, in part of, uh, of New York. Um, and yes, this is another attempt at, at, at making sense. I think that the movie is not, not really successful because it's, um, well, it's not, the point is not the movie, but um, the music is, well, it's a musical film. So somehow... To discuss Latino identity in the United States, whatever the perspective, whatever the argument, whatever we like it or not, music is central to it. Then we could discuss what, what music is used there. No, you know, it's basically you know it's Puerto Rican or Afro-Cuban music that stands for the entire Latino um, identity because there are Mexican flags and, and South American flags there in the neighborhood. Of course, this is a silly movie, it's romantic, uh, but um, you see how m- I would say music is central to the, to the images of Latin America in the United States and central to the very images that Latinos in the U.S. produce of themselves. And because of the imperial relationship between the United States and Latin America, it, music is central to the way we in Latin America, in, let's say in Argentina or in Uruguay or El Salvador, how we see each other as part of a of a of a common tradition, mm. but again, this is as you can see a series of inventions rather than something organic
2: i uh, i was was thinking while writing your your book about well the the challenges of doing a transnational history that is complicated uh, thinking especially in history and archives if you it would be interesting if you could talk a little about. Which kind of documents you work in the book how how you address them uh, and also something that for me was very interesting that first before reading the book I, I was expecting to read more musical documents in search like songs like I was expecting I imagine uh-huh. first well this is a book about music so it will be a book about a book about songs and I found that you were working a lot with text written documentary mm-hmm. sources so. If you could talk about this this dimension of the book would be would be interesting
1: well that's a great question uh, i'm I'm a historian yeah. no so i work i work primarily with written documents uh, although i i used to you know every time I found a document or or, or I developed some of the threads of the book i i, I look for the for musical traces too to just to listen to and to Include here and there some references. Um, you know, music is something that is part of my, my everyday life. Um, but you're right. This is a, a textual-based uh, book. Uh, it, it, well, I developed it in, in dialogue with men, several, like, uh, ethnomusicologists or, you know, people who do a, sort of an anthropological take on music. They are like, the, like cultural historians, in a way, of music. But um, the reader will find in each of the threads of the book documents that reflect some kind of musical practice. In some cases, those texts, uh, those, those textual evidences that you mentioned, refer to poetic traditions. In other cases, they reflect the idea that some composers or some musicologists have about what's the proper or the actual or the original music of a certain people. Um, you will find a, in these text uh, evidence of how the states saw music as a way of shaping societies. You will find how music was central to the formation of the revolutionary armies of the Mexican Revolution um of uh, of cultural diplomacy during world war 2 um, of 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 regionalist rhetoric since the 1950s uh or how intellectuals in the 1920s and 1930s traveling Europe found out that there was a thing called Latin America through the rumbas or tangos that they enjoyed in in, in cabarets or Dance clubs in say London, Berlin. So in a way, it's, it's because this is not this is not an encyclopedic take on Latin American music. This is not a book on with a taxonomy and a history of each of the genres or or traditions within Latin American music. No, this is an intellectual history of a category: Latin American music. As part of a larger cultural history of how musical practices shape our understanding of the region, so it's a, um, a how to explain this in a, in the title of a book, <laughs> in order to to, to avoid tricking the, the readers, the you know the the, the shoppers, the book shoppers. I, di- I I didn't know how to do it, uh, but you know. I'm sorry no, but, but... if you if if you didn't have the music you, you were expecting to to have.
2: No, no, no. I, I think <laughs> that 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 is amazing. Like how you can do a history of how we experience music through textual documents, and I think that's a huge contribution to think uh, uh cultural history of Latin America and cultural history in general. Um. I was going to ask you something related with this cultural perspective that you were talking about, that's uh, something I really enjoy about your book, uh, what I think is, is attractive for many things beyond history and uh, of, of about people interested in Latin America in general, is how you introduce cultural critics and cultural study into into the film. I'm thinking in particular in the figure of Carlos Monsivais, for example, uh, that you are all the time we're, were talking about Mexico, bringing him as a uh, and somehow in the middle between a documentary sources and at the same time a scholar with, with which you are, you're establishing a dialogue. Um, how do you think that this kind of, of production could be integrated into historical narratives and analysis about Latin American cultures?
1: Well, that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm very glad that you noticed that, that because we historians typically read each other but we don't necessarily read Anthropologists, sociologists, literary critics, or cultural critics, and because they do stuff differently, they do other stuff um, and you know professionalization demands from us like a specialization in a certain field in a certain narrative form and in a certain tradition of texts. but I think that um, what i I love reading. Intelligent minds in in other fields, and especially when, if you know, my goal was to understand Latin America as a region, I I, sh- I needed to go beyond my own my own historiographic field. So yes, Carlos Monsiváis in particular uh, is is interesting because he wrote in to- the year two thousand, I think, a book called Aires de Familia, mm-hmm. uh, in which he. Sort of says a little bit what I'm trying to say here, but he's saying it 20 years earlier in, from a different angle. And of course, he's more like a an ensayista, no? He's he writes essays that are like seem like a bit more loose than our supposedly, you know, tight, controlled academic arguments. But he shows how in at the level of popular poetry and through cinema and the radio and uh, literature in the first half of the 20th century, Latin American readers and consumers and artists, be, you know, slowly began to share a sort of commonality. This Aires de Familia, this sense of relating to each other around certain tropes of melodrama, uh, certain forms of spiritualism, or spirituality. Sorry. Um, uh, I mean, brief uh, cultural tropes that you see circulating. Uh, and, and he, in fact, pointed already to the influence of Hollywood in this in this circulation of forms of femininity and, and masculinity and, and, and forms of love and passion that began to inform the everyday experience of, of, uh, of Latin Americans. Something that is like Beatriz Sarlo in The Empire of... Sentiments. El Imperio de los Sentimientos. It's a book written in nineteen eighty something. She already showed how you know this 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 young girls working for the first time in an office in downtown Buenos Aires and taking the tramway would learn how to see themselves and enjoy their or or suffer or or process their sentimental and and, and sexual lives through these folletines, no? This this Serialized stories that they that were read in, 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 in magazines these are insights from other forms of cultural history uh, that in, the, in in the case of this book i i I learned from uh, and I dialogue with because I found out that in Mexico and Brazil and argentina which are the countries that i where I conducted most of the research um, music was a was an was an important topic of 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 conversation for all kinds of actors um and and traces of these conversations can be seen now in in other fields no? in other in other books i don't know if i'm answering your
2: yeah your I, I think i think you're doing pretty well um and just to finish or to 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 lead a more present conclusion to think uh, with your book um I was going to to ask you, no, no. Taking into account what you were talking about, the explosion of Latin American music and Latinx, and uh, in the center, in the Anglo-Saxon scenario, but in all the world, even in Asia, we know now that Latino music is in the top charts, for example, in Spotify. Like, what do you think uh, about this explosion of Latin American music or Latinx music, or um, if there is any connection between this? Um, this aesthetics that you, you described there in your book that are, these people are trying to bring together to, to create mm-hmm. this, this notion of we're facing a new, a new explosion of new uh, aesthetics related with with the idea of being Latin America or being Latino in the US. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it?
1: Well, that's a great question because it introduces another concept, Latinx, Which, like race, or like any other concept, or Latin American music itself as a category, it requires a proper situation, no, a contextualization. I would say Latinx, in my experience as as a a teacher and and, and citizen in the in in the U.S. nowadays, um, I mean, citizen in the not as a bureaucratic category, but as as a being developing my life there uh, um, I try to be a good citizen in the general sense of course um, uh, I would say that Latin, based on that experience latinx is a is a, an identity developed by a, a new generation of activists and thinkers um, but very young people mm-hmm. when you look at the at the um, Demographic research and who, how people identify, what terms people use in the United States to identify themselves or their, their group, Latinx is dominant. is more more clearly focused on uh, young people, like and, and young people at in college. So there's a, there's a quite specific origins to the term. This is a, a generation of uh, not not even millennials. I would say like Gen Z people. Who are growing uh, politically in the United States, seeing the how you know racial, sorry, racist structures, white supremacy, and um, the legacy of, of 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 racial inequalities are shaping their own lives, and uh, and learning about the history of the specific history of Latin American relations with the United States, and Latinx. I think is a, is a direct product of this uh, consciousness, uh, which is also inflected by a new sexual and gender uh, polit- set of politics with the X pointing to the, the indetermination or the fluidity or the openness or the inclusivity, the inclusiveness of, 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 of gender. Um, now, this demographic political conversation uh, sometimes connects with the evolution of the musical markets in the United States uh, that are developing this uh, with people like Santo LaSha and many others, the Grammy Latinos and, and many other uh, labels and, and, and institutions developing an idea of, uh, of Latin America as a, as a label, Latin music as a, as, a, uh, as a commercial label. And also, as you pointed out, the U.S. music industry developed a global system of this of musical commerce and dissemination through Spotify and, and, and other soft, yeah, forms of software for music consumption. That it has like you know rippling effects all over the world. So in this way, U.S. concoctions of what they call Latino or now Latinx music. Um, Connects with the understandings of what Latino or Latinx means in Latin America, in China, in Europe, in Africa, in Asia in general. Um, So this is history in the making, really. So I would say, Patricio, that your 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 this this final question points to what can we historians contribute to current conversations about. What is Latin America?
2: Totally. (laughs) Uh, Well, Pablo, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm very excited and I invite all the audience to buy this book, to read it. Uh, I think it's a a got an excellent contribution, especially for for teaching Latin American studies and Latin American history. So, thanks. Thank you, Patricio. Gracias a vos. It was a pleasure.